0: What if we thought about all the challenges we face in aged care, kind of like a train network? Let me explain. So like in a train network, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of stops along the way, and everyone's a passenger on their own special journey. But if you don't know where you're going, and say you get on the wrong train, you can get lost in the system. And I mean, sure, there's plenty of good information around about how to catch a train, there's timetables, there's helpful staff and guards, but if you can't find someone or you don't know how to read a timetable, you're a bit stuck. You can fall through the cracks. And what's that saying, board a moving train? I feel like that kind of applies to aged care too. We need to meet elderly populations where they are and make sure they don't get left behind. And in aged care, technology plays a big part in that. Well, with me today, I'm joined by Jim Moratis, CEO and founder of Village Local, who's made it their mission to guide older Australians through the labyrinth world of the aged care system. In this episode, we talk about the barriers that consumers and their supporting network face when trying to access home care services, the importance of systems thinking, integrations and robust feedback loops in aged care navigation, and the role that artificial intelligence and other technologies play in the aged care system. Collaboration starts with a conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch. Featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits, to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual, or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. <laughs>
1: Good. So how do you normally kick it off? I just start.
0: So hey Jim, how you going? <laughs> we just start, let's go, let's do this. Right, cool. How you going? good mate, how are you? Thanks for bringing me down out and about. I feel like this is on brand for you.
1: This is certainly my happy place mate. Yeah. Uh, I was telling you before this kicked off that get off and roll out of bed once I've got the kids out of school. It's uh, a little bit of me time walking on a big one hour trip from my home around Marrickville and into the office. So I try to optimise it so I spend more time along the river. Something about looking at water, that kind of The serenity, as they say. There's some good alignment there too because you're doing work in the community. Tell us a bit more about you, what you do, what keeps you busy. In terms of work, Mm. it's a little project called Village Local. So that's helping older people and their family members navigate their way through the complexities of the aged care system. I'm sure we can spend a little bit more time on that. Mm. But In terms of what led me to that, I don't know. I've just had an interest in looking at problems and the systems that those problems live in and trying to break it down. Yeah. Take a look at, from a first principles standpoint, what's leading to that problem and are we really looking at it at the right layer to actually solve for good outcomes? Mm-hmm. Everything from fixing a vintage car, which I've always been into, to scaling that up to the healthcare industry, uh, background in biomedical engineering, so yeah. always been around healthcare. But, yeah, you know, just like taking that approach to problem solving. Got it. And it's interesting because, you know, when we
0: talk about aged care <coughs> on the Talking Health Tech podcast, it comes up pretty regularly because I guess an older demographic is one that would typically require the use of more healthcare services. But there's a lot more to the problems <coughs> to be
1: solved in
0: aged care than just health, I imagine.
1: It's a really fascinating and complex situation. Mm. When it comes to aged care, there's a whole perception thing what is aged care and if you speak to the consumer, the older person themselves, or a family member that is part of the care network for that older person, the concept of aged care can mean totally different things. And then you add another layer into it and that is service providers and healthcare professionals, they would look at it as a different thing as well. So a lot of the older people we speak to you can clearly see they're living with multiple chronic conditions progressive disease high risk for hospital readmission and then you use the terminology of what the sector uses of you know, have you spoken to my aged care or are you yeah. getting aged care services and a common response that we receive is i'm not an invalid the word invalid seems to be used a lot yeah. in this demographic and it's it's almost like a perception and a branding thing for the consumer that says if i accept care, I am communicating to the world Mm. that I'm no longer able to look after myself. Interesting. Right? It really is fascinating. But then when you look to a family member, they're saying, no, mum, no, dad, you're not needing care. It's just that we can't be here all the time to run errands and give you a lift to the shops Mm. or give you a lift to the doctor. So I just need a helper. And then your healthcare professional would be really around, well, we want to help you maintain your independence. We Mm. want to help you enable you to stay well and live the life that you want so it's very it means so much yeah that concept i can dive into that a bit more in a second in terms of village local but i want to know
0: why You mentioned you're big on solving problems and you've been so focused in the aged care space, but why aged care?
1: Like, you know, like this doesn't seem, it's It's (laughs) difficult
0: to attract people into the the space. Generally people come in because that's their job, but this is a strong passion for you.
1: It is a very strong passion for me. I've thought about this question a lot actually, and typically like a few years into the game now, I often think about how the hell did I end up here? Mm. And you know, I speak to other industry professionals, leaders in the aged care space, and and I ask them, how did you end up in this space? And very rarely, Actually I can't think of anybody who has told me, you know Jim, I came out of school and I knew that aged care was gonna be my thing and I went there and I did the studies and I I knew that that was my trajectory. Mm. I haven't come across anybody that said that. Typically it's been the result of some reactive response or a situation that's landed somebody in that and that's Mm. certainly what was the case for me. Before we started Village Local in 2017, I had no idea about the aged care system. I knew nothing about it. I'd been in healthcare for 15 years at that time, but mainly it was only really around cardiac technology, radiology technology. I knew nothing about how the aged care system worked. And then there was this serendipitous moment where I pulled up from work one day and my 87-year-old neighbor, who lived directly across the road from me, flagged me over and she said, oh, Jim, can you help me replace the garden hose? And I said, yeah, no worries, Lillian. And I sort of ducked over. Her knuckles riddled with arthritis and she handed me one of those vacuum sealed packets. You know, know, they're like, you can't bloody open them. They're so hard to open. And it's that harder type of plastic as well. So I could see that she'd hacked away it a little bit and she just gave up on it. So I ripped it open, tore it open and replaced the garden hose, had my two minutes of pleasantries with Lillian and ducked inside. And then about a week or two weeks later, something like that, my wife who's a social worker at the time at the children's hospital westmead she pulls up and it was raining on the day and out of the corner of her eye she saw lillian laid down on between her front door and her front gate So still on her property it's so imagine like a inner city little terrace workers cottage yep. terrace laid down and obviously rushed over to her aid and lillian had slipped over she was on a piled footpath between her front door and front gate. She'd slipped over in, the rain coming down the two or three stairs that she's got. And she'd been there for hours, calling out for help in the middle of a weekday, uh, and nobody was around. And that situation there was the catalyst for Lillian ending up into RPA hospital, doing a little bit of rehab, and then going from rehab into a nursing home. Yeah, and That's a real shame, right? Because, as if that's not bad enough, but in actual fact, 11 months prior, Lillian was doing a little bit of Shopping on the high street of Maryville and she'd broken her other hip. A simple accident, could happen to anybody, but she'd had a little fall and she broke her other hip. Now, Lillian Sharpers attacked this yeah. lady, and she'd been living in the community for 40 years, in that same house for 40 years. A very prominent member of the community, president of the Bowls Club, mm-hmm. really plugged in. Yeah. But typically, the way these things go, you become quite socially isolated and, and whatnot. So, two hospital admissions two admissions to RPA hospital, two discharges to rehab. Lillian had been getting community services for a number of years mm. prior to her first broken hip. So all these touch points with the healthcare system, the aged care system, yet none of those situations led to Lillian being able to stay in her own home, independent of well the and plugged in. So once I'd personally got over the guilt that I felt. It was only a week and a half that I saw Lily. I saw how frail she was. Yeah. And I thought to myself, fire out. I've dedicated my life, my career to the healthcare industry yeah. and this happened right under my nose. Mm. I thought, oh look, I'm gonna look into this. Yeah. Yeah. And the first sort of thing I did was I just kind of reached out to our local council. and I said, what are we doing? You know, this is the Inner West Council. I said, what are we doing to help older people in our local community maintain their independence? Yeah. And I was blown away by the response that I received. It was not what I expected. I was expecting to hear things like, oh Jim, there's no money, there's no resources, this, that and the other. But instead what I found was a plethora of resources, a plethora of community investment in social activities, community support, all like the investment was there. But they said to me, Jim, the biggest challenge that we have as a local council is to access those who are most vulnerable those who desperately need the services they're the hardest to access because they're most isolated typically they're the hardest to engage online it's hard to do anything at scale when you're dealing with that cohort and that's when i just found that a really fascinating yeah. thing you know? yeah. and so you know i'm going to have a closer look at that and, um, yeah. and our mission at village local is to keep older people independent, safe and well in their communities. So what that encompasses, it encompasses so much, right? In some facets, we are partnering with local healthcare organisations, home care providers, community groups, to enable them to better connect with the community, to access those who are extremely vulnerable but desperately need to interact or interface with these organisations. And on the other side of the coin, we are directly connecting with those seniors and family members and providing a lot of education and advocacy because the aged care system is extremely complex. There's professionals that work in the industry that find it complex. So you know when it's a consumer that enters it for the first time, right, it can be mind-boggling. And it's often referred to as a maze or of that effect. So yeah we're helping a lot of seniors navigate the aged care system, understand their consumer rights, understand what their entitlements are. And also understand or giving, trying to give the skill set to think critically. Because as I mentioned a little while ago, the sector is complex and there's a lot of grey zones in it. When you come across an industry professional who's trying to interpret it as best they can, their interpretation might not be the right interpretation to meet the consumer's needs. Mm. So it's important for the consumer to think critically about the information that they're getting. Yeah. And Mm. further to that point, a lot of... People receiving aged care services, they're receiving those services because they've relied on the advice, the guidance of an industry professional. A lot of it hasn't been them sort of like, oh, this is my situation, I can articulate it, I can understand it, and now here are my options, I've done my research and I'm choosing this. Yes in a very well thought out. It hasn't been that. Yeah. It's typically I recognise you, Mrs. Smith, 85 year old Mrs. Smith, you've got these challenges. And in my professional opinion, this is what you need to do. Mm. Mm. And the consumer's like, okay, you're the authority figure. Yeah. I'll listen to you. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it sounds like one of those problems to solve that everyone points it at someone else and mm. say, oh, it doesn't, the council sort this out and the council say, <coughs> oh, this is like local kind of yeah, groups yeah, yeah, yeah. and the social groups, so we haven't got money to do this, so yeah, yeah. finding those that you can partner with or that can advocate and try and fly that flag, I imagine, be pretty important.
1: Look, the reality is keeping somebody independent, safe, and well in their home yeah. for as long as possible, right? It's not just about sending support workers into a home to cook and clean. Yes. There is an emotional aspect of it, there is a social aspect of it, there is a political aspect of it, mm. there is a financial aspect of it. There is so many facets where you need deep expertise in that. So it's Unfathomable to think that the one entity, one organization, can deliver an end-to-end experience to enable that person to live their best life. Like anybody who thinks, any organisation who thinks that they can do it all, like I don't even know how any, any organisation could, could things <laughs> yes. that because yes. it is so complex. Yeah. Yeah. So the real challenge that we've got our teeth sunk into is how do these expert domains integrate with one another mm. and support the consumer along their aged care journey, which never ends. Well, it ends eventually. One day it will end mm. for all of us. But the ageing experience, the aged care journey, how do all these organisations, entities, individuals support that aged care journey? Mm-hmm. And then how does the consumer be in a seat of empowerment or a position of empowerment to orchestrate it, to coordinate it, to participate in it, yeah. in that journey. Yeah. So village locals trying to act as the glue in that sandwich mm-hmm. to try to curate, co-pilot, if you like, with the consumer through that journey.
0: And what does that actually look like for the consumer yeah. or for the stakeholders? That you yeah. like?
1: So we've niched down or hyper-niched down, really, to a sub-segment of older people who are doing it tough, suffering in silence. Um, And if I was going to be really specific in our sub-niche, it's literally 82 to 85-year-old, majority of that demographic just happens to be women who are living alone in their home, who have multiple chronic disease, progressive conditions, who have a high hospital readmission risk. So we're looking at those people. And it's typically people who haven't yet interacted with aged care services. So if you think about what that person looks like, multiple chronic conditions. You can be at any age and be living with multiple chronic conditions and life isn't as easy as it could be, right? Yeah. Let alone if you're 83-year-old Lillian or 87-year-old Lillian. Right. So we're looking at those people and then we're thinking about, all right, what does their typical day look like? What are their challenges? Are they actively seeking out home support services? Chances are they're not. So if we wanted to engage them and start a conversation with them to help them think about how to make life a little bit better. What's the topic of conversation that we should be engaging with? It certainly is, do you need home care? It's certainly not that. Mm. What we've typically done is we've produced a lot of educational material, lifestyle material that we publish through a number of different channels, both online and offline media, that talk about just the day-to-day challenges of life that you can have at any age, but hyper-prevalent for that hyper-niche demographic that we're looking at. And that just seems to really resonate with people. And then we gather those people and put them in a community environment where they can share their stories with other people, like minded people. Uh Um, That builds a lot of social connection. We're really doing that to tackle that social isolation aspect of it. But we also prompt further education and prompt a desire to educate. Um, So people are in that social environment and then that casual nature of information flowing, we combine that with a very structured educational process as well. So we've got a thing called the Care Path Program, where it's a structured process of taking somebody through the aged care journey, mm. profiling where they're up to at that stage in their stage of the journey, and then providing them with relevant information that solves very predictable problems that most people would have when they're at that stage of the aged care journey. Mm. So that's like the experience that, that consumers would have. And it's a very organic sort of thing. So people who are going through the care path program, majority of people don't realise that they're going through an official care path program. Yeah. They're just having a relationship with Village Local.
0: The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach, and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or ten minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. I was surprised, I've got to say, that there's some really good engagement, and you talk about the elderly demographic engaging in an online community, people say, oh, if they've got phones, but like, there's a lot of activity that's going on in there.
1: You know, it's interesting, when that situation happened with my neighbour Lillian, yeah. I mentioned one of the first things I did was reach out to the council, but the very first thing that I did was I was having a chat with my mum, might have been that night that it happened, and we're just chatting, and my mum was born in a little village in Sicily, hmm. in Italy, and I said, Ma, how do the oldies stay safe in the villages? This is not just in Sicily, but throughout Europe, right? And my mum said to me, she goes, Jim, in the villages, there's always a local keeping an eye out mm-hmm. for the oldie. And I just said, "Ah, oh, it just came out. I said, oh, if only I was a better village local for Lillian. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we got our name, village yeah, local. Right. right? So that's really what we're kind of empowering people to do. It's like, be aware of your surroundings those in your community be aware of the challenges that people are facing mm. but also be aware of potential pathways or solutions you might not have all the answers mm. but just be aware and then make connections yeah. right? one connection can lead somebody down a pathway that ultimately leads them to a domain expert in that area who can go deep and solve a problem
0: yeah
1: but just be aware yeah. and the online community group I often get asked, Jim, seniors aren't tech savvy. Yeah. How can you expect people to be in a social media environment, typing away, sharing concepts and stuff like that? And I think about it two ways. The first thing I think of is I detest that term tech savvy. Mm-hmm. What is tech savvy? Right? It's so binary, right? Mm-hmm. It's either tech savvy or you're not. Yeah. The reality is your level of tech enablement is a scale from not being able to turn your phone on, or not having a phone, to programming, Mm. right? You would fit somewhere in the middle. Being able to use a dial-up telephone on the wall is a rung on that ladder as well. Mm. I think of my grandfather in that regard. My grandfather migrated to Australia. Can't read or write in Mm. Italian. Or maybe to a very basic level. In English, certainly can't read or write. Not tech savvy. Mm. (laughs) Very low on the tech enablement scale. Didn't have a computer, didn't have internet or anything like that. And then a few years ago, my cousin gave my grandfather a hand-me-down iPhone, right? If you went to my grandfather's place, you'd probably see him with his iPhone out, you know. Typical hierarchical family environment, Uh right, where the Italian head of state is at the end of the table. (laughs) and he's observing his environment, yeah. <laughs> his community. <laughs> and my grandfather would probably be at the end of that table with his phone out, doing these ones.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Casual and style, everybody
1: man. knows what he's doing, like he's on Facebook. Yeah. Right? So what my cousin did was gave him a hand-me-down iPhone, set up a profile on Facebook, and he can scroll it. And he's just looking at photos of these friends, family in the motherland, right? So that's, he's just gone, to, made a really, really big step in his tech enablement yeah. journey. Now, if somebody's willing to do that, he can't open an email, he can't send an email. But now he's got the ability to become aware of stuff. Mm. Now, he can't read or write, Mm. but he can look at images. And just looking at images, that's a form of communication that you can get a message through to somebody. Mm. So when you take that back to our online forum, there's going to be heaps of people that are part of our village local community that the only way that we interact with them is over a telephone, Mm. one-on-one. But what we expect from the thousands of people in the Village Local Community Group is that they are the eyes and ears on the front line. They run the last mile to Lillian who's not online. Mm. That's what we're hoping for the Village Local Community Group.
0: So good. Keeping on that theme of technology, you know, we're in an age where one would argue that it's moving very fast and artificial intelligence is been around for a long time, but definitely all the rage now and potentially it's touching a lot of stuff that we do. Do you see a role that some of these
1: emerging technologies might play in assisting solve for these problems that we have been talking about? Absolutely. I produce a lot of content myself. Yeah. A lot of videos, a lot of educational videos and I'm putting them out into the community and you know, people are always sending me emails, calling my team and I up, posting stuff on the Village Local Community Hub. And people are always asking the same questions and you may have covered that topic just the week before. Yeah. And then a new person's entering the community group and asking the same question. Yeah. It really is about number one, making the information or making people aware that the information exists. Okay. And then number two, making it really easy to access. I think in the space that I'm playing, a hyper niche that village locals playing in, that's really where we're starting to play with AI. It's take a look at what people's behaviors are, what people's questions are being asked, what the conversation's looking, and then being able to proactively serve up the right content at the Mm. right time. And then an element of gamification as well, where it can really motivate people to take action, to further explore options, to overcome mental bias about what aged care looks like. So yeah, we're playing with AI in that sort of regard, in its simplest form, putting a survey in front of somebody who's expressed a need for some support and then coming up with bespoke customised platter of content that say hey digest this stuff, it's probably relevant to your situation so that's how we're using it at the moment and it's working really well
0: And I imagine in the aged care system generally or those that are in the system there's a lot of talk around the Especially if you're looking at keeping people in home, you know, the automated stuff and the Google assistance and the homes and things like that. So I imagine that space will be, if done well and on balance, can be a good enabler. And if it can achieve that objective of keeping people safe and happy and well connected in their home for a little bit longer, then that's probably a good thing too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just on that topic, probably about maybe seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer, Mm we saw this huge wave of smart tech. Yep. Home smart tech, sensors and all that sort of stuff. Probably going more like 10 years now actually. And there was a lot of investment globally, on a global scale, into this aging tech. Yep. And then it's really padded out. Mm. Like it's, you don't hear much of it anymore. It's a little bit going on here and there, but it's certainly died out. And I think people just got, came to the realization, innovators came to the realization that we kind of need to walk before we run. There is so much happening, there's so much friction and crappy consumer experience on a very, very basic level that for organisations that are wanting to invest in innovation, they're saying that's really where you're going to get the biggest return on your investment. It's just solve the basic, pick the lowest lying fruit. You can go for a walk, anybody, I challenge anybody listening to this in the future, walk down the street in your local area for 20 minutes. Mm. Just walk down the street, but keep your head up. Don't walk with your head in, in, in the ground. Look up, and I guarantee you will see somebody, walk past somebody who is in their 70s or 80s, and you can physically see that they are doing it tough. Mm. They may not be willing to admit it themselves, but you can physically see that they are doing it tough, and they're probably putting themselves in harm's way as well. Either themselves in harm's way, or somebody else, they're causing stress for somebody else and supporting them so that they don't hurt themselves. Ask yourself the question, like, what could the aged care sector be doing right now to support that very person? Mm. Probably approaching them with smart technology in the home or if it's an organisation that delivers home care services, giving them a brochure to say, hey, this is how the aged care system works and this is the type of home care support services we can provide you with that probably isn't the answer as well. Yeah. What does that person need? What would delight that person? Yeah. What will create a moment that matters for that person in that moment? Anybody can do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I feel like that answer would probably be something that's
1: personalized and meaningful to that specific individual Absolutely. and those things are built over Absolutely. the trust and yeah. everything over time. So. I'd love to be able to like we a bit over 20,000 people now across Australia going through our care path program. Yeah. I would love to think, oh man, we can just process the hell out of this thing, right? Right. <laughs> scale it up, put it all in a neat package. But the reality is you can't. Right? Right. There's obviously certain levels of automation and systemisation that we deploy to be able to deliver the Care Path experience for that many people across the country. Yeah. But a lot of it is roll the sleeves up, get on yeah. a phone call. Just yesterday I was on a call with my aged care doing a three-way conversation with an elderly person, actually they weren't even that old, they were in right. the early 70s who've been bumping around what is currently called the Commonwealth Home Support Program system and banging their head against the wall not being able to access the service they need. So you hear that and you're like, ah, oh, let's just get on the phone with my aged care. And that's an hour and a half exercise, right? Sure, yeah. Which is why a lot of health professionals don't have the time to do that. No. Sometimes it's all you can do.
0: And thinking then, what do you need? Because it's a great thing to be solving for and a challenge that no doubt will keep your brain ticking over and keeping you busy. These things it's got to be funded somehow, and it's got to be an ongoing sustainable thing, and hopefully live on beyond yourself, and instill a lot of these kind of things into everyone that's going through the care pathway thing, anything in between. Mm -hmm. What, What do you need to make some of that kind of thing happen?
1: Yeah, when Lillian's situation happened, one of the first things that I did was, I thought, well, I hypothesized, what would the solution be? What would Lillian have needed to prevent that adverse outcome? Yeah. And I just thought, oh, my, my first hypothesis was, oh, if Lillian was just aware that these things were available, then she could have gotten plugged into them, she mm. could have got the next level up of support. Happy days. So what I did was I just profiled all the things that the local West Council were offering and I just started socialising them to seniors in my local community. Mm. And I said, if you need any help plugging into this, then here's my phone number, just give me a call. Mm. It was not a business. It was not a... Village local. It was just a thing that I was doing in the community. That's all. And I found it really surprising that I had a lot of people calling me. Right? I only handed out a few of these submarines, and I had a lot of people calling me, a lot of seniors calling me, and a lot of curiosity. Of how do I get plugged in? This, that, and the other. So there was a lot of interest. But then when I checked up with them a few months later, checking in, like, how are you going? Nobody had taken any action. Right? Nobody had taken any action. So that kind of readjusted my hypothesis. You start thinking, what are the barriers that that prevent people from taking action? And then I thought, all because the the people desperately need help, I'll just, I I was willing to invest in somebody to give me a hand because I was busy with my career and stuff like that. So I just got somebody to give me a hand just to following up with this stuff. And it was providing a really good community service. So much so that we're getting a lot of interest in what I now know is aged care navigation. So then I thought, oh, this is not sustainable. I've got a career. At yes. the time, I've got a, I was busy in my career. I had a one-year-old child. I was finishing off my MBA. I was flying in and out of the country. <laughs> Life was pretty chaotic, yeah, right? Okay, yeah. So what I did was, I just thought, which organisations are out there that would benefit from this type of service existing in the local community? And mm-hmm. knowing hardly anything about the aged care system at the time, I stumbled across this concept of an aged care provider So I just reached out to one and I said, hey, would you be willing to sponsor this person that I've got following up with seniors? And what's in it for you is if you do that, then if we come across somebody that needs your organization or your services, obviously we're gonna let them know about you and they can give you a call and you guys can do your thing. And like, I was really blown away that how willing organizations were to support that initiative. Hmm. And then I quickly realized a lot of these organizations we're investing a lot of money in what they call marketing. Yeah. But really what it was, they're just trying to engage the local community, educate the community, they're investing internally in people to educate the community. And having conversations with these organisations, I asked them, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing in helping people navigate? And the answer was quite consistent. They said to me, we always get seniors, family members calling us up, requiring support. They may not have the funding level required or they may not have any funding, and we always give them the information. Mm. We tell them, go and follow this information, and then when you get the funding or you get approved, then come back to us and we can start delivering services. Now, from my very brief experience at the time, I realised that's a really complex thing, Mm. and there's really low compliance to taking action. Mm. And then I realised that needs to be a very robust process with a lot of safety barriers and nets to prevent people from falling through the cracks. Yeah, And that's when we thought, all right, let's structure an actual process to help people navigate the aged care system but also have organisations being able to leverage that infrastructure, that work that we've created. And that's one of the main reasons why we essentially productized Mm. that CarePath program. It's pretty much so organizations who see the value of it existing in their community, they can support it, they can support the existence. So that's really what our whole business model is. It's all right, this CarePath program, it's in your local community. If you provide a valuable service to your community that local older people and family members would benefit from knowing about your organization, support the program. Mm. If you haven't got the money to support the program, Take a look at your marketing budget because, you know, clients, patients, customers, whatever it is, have a think about is there a way that we can tick that box, like every business needs to tick that box, Hmm. but also have a really impactful or really positive social impact at the same time. And this is an option for for organisations to explore. Nice one.
0: And if there are organisations that are listening or watching and want to chat more about doing some things, or just generally anyone that wants to learn more about Village Local, watch yeah. later.
1: Yeah, Look, we work with so many organisations who don't sponsor the Care Path Program, but they're organisations that we've come to know and trust and really respect and provide such a valuable service and offering to the community that we're going to let the Village Locals, the thousands of them across the country, know about your organisation anyway, because that's what we're about. But if you wanted to support the CarePath program or some figure out how you you can get involved with it, visit us online. Go to the Village Local website, villagelocal.com.au. We've got a dedicated CarePath website as well, carepath.com.au. So check it out, learn a little bit more. If you're a healthcare professional or an industry professional that's got something to add from an educational standpoint and want to just get involved in helping seniors, older people navigate the aged care system, go and join the Village Local Community Hub. Both those websites will funnel you into there and contribute.
0: Love it. Jim, I really appreciate making the time and bringing me down to have a chat here out in the wild. And we're (laughs) looking forward to sharing all the great work you're doing with Talking Health Tech community and our audience. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, man. I really
1: appreciate it. Have a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June. And I personally read every submission. In fact... If you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.